0: and we are live so welcome to the rockstar cx show if you are a customer experience professional looking to deliver a rockstar customer experience then you are in the right place today we are speaking to the legend the one the only shep hyken about his new book the convenience revolution. I can't wait to hear more about this. So if you are interested in this as well, if you've got any questions for Shep, make sure to put them in the comments below. And if you think some of your friends and family and colleagues might find this interesting too, make sure to give us a cheeky little share and spread the love. So without further ado, I have spoken far too much already. We should be able to speak to Shep through the power of the interwebs. Let's see, are you there mate? Can you do me? I am anything? here, I'm here and uh, I like it.
1: A cheeky little comment. Is that it's a cheeky we, little comment? We don't say that. It, it sounds different when my Midwest acts, Hey, make a cheeky little comment. What does that mean? But when you say it, it's
0: elegant. Well, it's, it's the British elegant. accent, man. You can get yeah. away with a lot. <laughs> I know.
1: I, yeah. Hey, man. This is it. The convenience revolution. I'm excited <laughs> just thinking about it. In and, and it's subtitled "How to Deliver a Customer Service Experience That Disrupts the Competition and Creates Fierce." loyalty. And that's what we're going after. In any type of business um, interaction we have with customer service and customer experience, we are trying to create, hey, let's let's put it in terms of a, of a musician, Bonnie Raitt, who said, let's give them something to talk about. Remember that song? Let's give them something to talk about. I'm not going to try and sing. I'm a speaker, not a singer. <laughs> But but isn't that what we're trying to do? And we give them something to talk about, hopefully they're talking good, okay? We can give them something bad to talk about, but assuming it's a positive experience, what we're going for is an amazing experience that not only people talk about, but be, they wanna come back to experience. And we looked at a number of different ways. Over the years, I've been writing books about customer service and experience. And I said, what is it today that is differentiating companies from the competition? Because today, more than ever, Uh, It's it's so competitive. Customer service is recognized as a must-have, not a nice-to-have. Customers expect companies to deliver service. And guess what? They no longer compare you to the direct competition. If I'm a restaurant, I'm not being compared to another restaurant. If I'm a manufacturer and I'm an inside salesperson supporting my my customer, I'm their vendor, they're not comparing me to the guy or, or the company that does similar manufacturing. No, they're comparing me to the best service that they ever received From anywhere, from anybody, it could be the guy that just sold them a $25 pair of shoes that were on sale at the department Mm -hmm. store, but he was knowledgeable, he was friendly, he was nice, he was everything great, and everybody's going, why can't the people I work with at this company be as nice as that guy selling me shoes? Mm -hmm. So it's important to recognize that customers, they're smarter than ever before, they know what great service is, we keep promising that we're going to give them good service, and because they know what it is and we keep promising, we need to meet if not exceed the expectation so let's say that every company in the world decides we're going to give them great service well what can i do better than my competitor you know well there's lots of things but one thing that some companies have recognized as a major differentiator is let's be more convenient to do business with than our competition hey we're going to be friendly we're going to be nice we're going to do all the things that they expect but let's add one more layer, and that is the layer of convenience, and that is how the convenience revolution uh, came about in my mind. So there you go, a little history on, on uh, leading up to the book.
0: Perfect. And I I think the thing that I really love there and really want to pick up on first is that you are right. Customers' expectations are being evolved and changed and advanced every single day with every single interaction they're having with every single product and service with every single company. And what I like to say is that, of course, like you have worked all around the world. I've worked all around the world in many different industries. But the neat thing about what we do is the realization that customers only speak one language and that language is experience. It doesn't matter where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a really powerful thing to note right away. So what I want to get to now is when you say convenience, what exactly do you mean? Sure.
1: Let's think about it. Why do they call a convenience store a convenience store? It's because it's more convenient. Hey, all I need is a carton of milk or a six pack of soda or beer. I can go to the big grocery store and, and go onto a lot with 300 other cars, walk into a store where I've got to run uh, from one side of the store to the other is approximately a quarter of a mile. And, and maybe I'm being over exaggerating in some cases, not always, but that is a you know, great place to go to shop. Great, great, but hey, all I need is this. It's more convenient just to stop by the convenience store. And by the way, uh, the convenience revolution was started with convenience stores back in the days of Justinian the Great, in like, you know, 1500. AD, when he said that at every major intersection, a store must be built selling the items for the convenience of the citizens, you know, selling the items of necessity. That was in effect, the first (laughs) 7-Eleven just wasn't called 7-Eleven. And and I don't know how many intersections they had that the chariots apparently went by, but uh, there were probably fewer and farther between. But think about what happened in the early 1900s, about 1920, well, mid 1920s. Um, There was a store down in Dallas, Texas that sold blocks of ice for the ice box. And that's what it was. Your refrigerator used to, and people still today, oh, go to the ice box. That's an old term to describe a box that had ice at the bottom that cooled the whole box. And that's where you put all your food so they wouldn't perish. Today we have the electric refrigerators. And this company sold blocks of ice. And one day, a guy decided to put some items on top of the ice just to keep them cold. And somebody came in, oh, you're selling bread now and milk, (laughs) no, sure, I'll sell them. And brilliant, if they wanna buy it, I'm gonna put it out there. And hence the first convenience store of all time well, not of all time. There was obviously, but but commercially, you know, yeah. a capitalistic convenience store, and that company uh, was uh, as as an ice company had I think about eight locations within a year. They all of a sudden expanded to almost thirty, and then today there's tens of thousands of locations called Seven Eleven. And that's how it all started. And there's many, many other convenience stores that are out there, you know, just, you know, tens of thousands. And really, you think about it, it's amazing. Drive down the street. Well, it happens to be on the right side of the street, too. I like that. But (laughs) it's convenient. And what about if and this is my favorite, the mini bar in the refrigerator at in the hotel room, they sell you a can of Coca-Cola. It's five dollars for that can of Coca-Cola. But if you walk out of your room and just walk 25 feet down, there's an ice machine with a with a soda machine next to it and sells the same can of Coca-Cola for $1.25. Yet guess what? Every morning, hotel staff is, is going in and replenishing the mini bar with cans of Coca-Cola because their guests love convenience. And guess what? They're willing to pay more for convenience, which is another important point. Doing it right, people pay more for customer service. Well, convenience is a level of service. But that doesn't mean that being more convenient will absolutely uh, get you a higher price. on some in some businesses, and we'll talk about those in a little while, it's actually, we just give convenience because we want people's business. We're gonna still be very competitive in price as well, if not even the lowest price sometimes. So anyway, that's kind of a little background on what convenience is. And there's many different companies that have showcased convenience, made it a value prop that customers love. And uh, we'll get into, I have, I, there's about 35 companies in the book that specifically talk about all the different types of conveniences, in addition to how even individuals can be more convenient to other individuals. So, human to human, not just company or, you know, yeah. people buying from a company. So, there you go.
0: Yeah, that's so cool, man. And I suppose when we think about it as well, most of the companies that we like doing business with the most are the most convenient ones. Um, so, tell me a little bit more about. How convenience can cause disruption in an industry? In an, in an entire industry? Well, uh,
1: what's the most convenient place to do business with? I I mean, we're over here in the US, so I, I actually refer to them as most convenient company on the planet to do business with. And you're you've probably got it over there too. I know you do. What's the most convenient company you do business? It's like a it's a question, it's a quiz. It's a te- it's a pop quiz. It's a oh, Matthew,
0: what if I get this wrong now? You're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it. I'm going to say Amazon bingo.
1: Ding, ding, ding. That is the correct answer. Thanks for playing the game. So so why is Amazon so convenient? Because, you know, they disrupted an entire industry back when they started 20 some odd years ago. uh, Amazon was a bookseller. They said, Hey, uh, you know, let's go sell books, but you know what? We don't need a brick and mortar store. Let's sell them online. And in order to get people excited about doing business with us, we'll sell them at a lower price and then maybe we'll make up for it in volume. And by golly, they did. But you know what else they did? It was a byproduct. And I'm sure that Jeff Bezos was focused on taking care of the customer, but never thought that the concept of convenience of buying online would catch up at such a level that, wow, it's so easy. Once you put your information into Amazon, your name, your address, your credit card number, they have this thing, they now call one click, you know, purchasing a one click buy, you click on it once, boom, it's, yeah. it's going to be sent to you. It's so easy. And how about this? A great a great interface. And when I say interface, that's a technical term for what does the website look like and how easy is it to go from one product to the next, to search for another product. Easier than ever. They showcase it well. And you want to know the cool thing about Amazon today? Is they're not always the lowest price. They will, within their own page, say, hey, this is what we sell it for. But guess what? You can buy it less expensive from one of our third-party vendors who markets through Amazon, and you now have a choice. They've created this prime product, P-R-I-M-E. It's a subscription service to Amazon. You buy this, you get you know free shipping. You buy it, you get two-day shipping. You buy it, you might even get two-hour shipping. You get discounts at grocery stores now that they own with Whole Foods. They've created a system it's so convenient, and they're integrating so much uh, into what they do. But the bottom line is, how about the dash button? Do you know the dash button before I get in? This yeah, is a yeah, perfect yeah. experience.
0: Maybe some people watching won't necessarily know about it. I'm going to
1: tell you what it is. It's really easy. Imagine a doorbell, a little doorbell on the side of your washing machine, and on there's a little uh, comp, uh, uh, product name like Tide the type of dishwasher, or dishwash the type of washing detergent that you use for your clothes and it's and it's just a little it adheres to the side of your dish. They send it to you it's a few dollars and you push the button when you run low on your Tide washing machine detergent and and guess what it gets delivered to your home. You don't have to go to the store, you don't have to go online to put in your name and it, it just automatically or should I say automagically happens. So that's all it is. Talk about convenience. And they're constantly pushing the envelope for convenience. They have set up a warehouse distribution system that now allows customers to now not just get sometimes two day shipping, but one day and even two hour shipping because they're creating these warehouses closer to where their customers are. Jeff Bezos may be the most customer focused man on the planet living today. Uh, And and he's held this title for many, many years. So it's a very good title and that's one of the things that's made him very successful.
0: Yeah, the the Amazon example is a wicked one. And I often ask people when I'm training them or at conferences, think about the best customer experience you've ever had. And to be honest, what tends to happen nine times out of 10 is that somebody will think of an experience where something went wrong and the company put it right. Right, and then you have to say, "No, really, think about it." So for me, the best experience I have ever had, and probably will ever ever have until something better comes along, is that exact thing with Amazon. That one click—you click it, it turns up at your door. That is that has been a that has nearly bankrupted me. Yeah. <laughs> the, <amount of> <laughs> the, this, the stupid thing is as well. I will go to Amazon. To find a thing, right? And if it's not there, I'm like, nah, I probably don't need it that much. I won't even bother trying anywhere else now because it's, and if I ever do buy anything from another website and they want me to pay for delivery,
1: I'm forget like, about it. So, and that's the example, as I was talking about earlier, that other companies have set the standard for great service, even if it's an individual selling a pair of shoes. You know, once you get used to that, that's what you want and expect from everyone. So many retailers today are giving you free delivery. And if they're not, you're going, well, I'm gonna go find someone that does. And even if the price is the same, no, you want that free delivery. Even if it's even a little bit less, you're a little concerned because they don't give you the free delivery.
0: See, the thing is, I will pay more for free delivery, but I'm not stupid. I understand I'm paying for the delivery, but it's almost like something hardwired into me. So Mm -hmm. for example, if there's something on Amazon that costs more than something somewhere else, I will still probably buy it from Amazon because I get the free delivery and I know it's going to turn up on my doorstep the next day because they've done such a good job at managing my expectations and molding them to a place where no one else can compete. Um, So I think that's a really good example of how convenience can be a massive disruptor, a massive differentiator. Um, I'll go to the comments right now. Just say a little shout out, um, little shout out to Joe Kim. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Sorry, man. Um, who's happy to be with us today. How are you doing there? Um, let's have a look. There's, um, Steve is on the line as well. He really enjoyed the part about the history about Seven Eleven. Um, and Toby is with us and he guessed at Amazon and Uber. Have you got any stories about Uber? I
1: do. And so there are six areas of convenience. And by the way, I, Uh, Many of these companies could be in, in any of the six areas. I used Amazon as the first case study, and I said, I showcased how they are capable of delivering in all six areas. And some companies do that, and some companies just deliver in one area. And by the way, whether one or six doesn't make any difference, they found the area that means most to their customer. Uber completely disrupted the taxicab industry. Now, there's other competitors, and I mentioned it in the book. There are other competitors, and some people may disagree with the way Uber has been managed. Uh, they've had their pain with their CEOs and their leadership, but things are changing. But regardless, they set the standard. They disrupted the whole industry by being a better solution, and they did it by reducing friction, which is... Uh, area number 1 is if you can reduce friction and make it easier for a customer the customer will want to can, will consider doing business with you now the price proposition with uber today They're competitive with taxi cabs. I go to New York, whether I jump in a cab or jump in an Uber, it's going to be about the same price. But I choose Uber for this reason. Number one, I'm in my hotel and I'm going to be heading down uh, to the lobby. I look at my phone. I push a button. It tells me within three minutes away, my driver is there. Okay, I'll put in my address where I'm going. Now I know how much it costs. Okay. This is easy. I agree and accept or I don't. And then once I accept, I can then watch on the little map. I could see here comes the driver. He's coming around the corner. I, if I happen to be looking for a taxi cab and there are on taxi cabs right in the area, uh, I have to pick up the phone. I have to call the cab. And if I don't see the cab after five minutes, I'm going to call the company back go, when's your driver going to be here? Hold on. they They radio them. He's just around the corner. Well, I don't see that driver, but with the app, I can. And then, get this, I get in the car. The driver knows who I am and knows where I'm going without me even having to tell them because I put it in myself, and it's going to get me there expeditiously. And then when I get out, I don't even have to pay the driver. Well, actually, I do pay the driver, but I don't have to reach in my pocket, pull out a credit card, pull out any money. I just get out, and then, once again, the word automagic, automagically, uh, I get charged because I'm set up in the system. They created this system that completely disrupted an industry that's been around for decades and decades. And, and it's amazing. So, there's an example, but you don't have to be an industry disruptor to take advantage of convenience. This, I want people to know even if you have a small business, you can out service and out convenience your competition. Uh, case in point, there's a, a area of convenience. One of the six is delivery. And there's lots of ways you can deliver. Uh, think about uh, uh, there's the companies that that will deliver you meals and they'll give you like meals so you can cook at home like blue apron, which is in one of, which is one of the case studies in the book. Not, not the case study I want to tell with you now, but give an example. That's delivery. They're, they're making it easy. Oh, I don't have to go to the grocery store now. They're disrupting grocery stores because they're dropping me off all the ingredients I need to prepare my meal and per- perfectly portioned out, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, let me tell you about this one little company. And I say little, I don't know how many employees they have. Maybe they have 40, 30, 40. They completely disrupted a company that I'd been doing business with for 24 years. I bought my car from a car dealership here in St. Louis. By the way, I like that car dealership, they're, but they're a car dealership. Every time I go to buy a car, I probably bought a half a dozen or more cars in those 24 years. And it was a different salesman most of the time because they come and go, but they were convenient. They were maybe uh, a, a less than a mile from my office. So if I had to drop my car off for service, I could then walk to the office if they didn't have a loaner car for me that day. And one day my wife says to me, we're riding bikes. She goes, look at that car. That's a beautiful car. you got to check out that car. So as we're riding, we see a car dealership, not my car dealership, about maybe 10, 12 miles from where I live. And there's a car in the window that she just showed me. I go, let's go check it out. So we pull in there and we look at it and we talk to the, and You know, we're a little sweaty and her bike bike outfits and stuff and the guy said why don't you drive the car you don't want us in the car no go ahead drive the car test drive the car and i drove this car and i love this car and it was a beautiful car and my car was like nine years old so i was getting i was about ready to buy a new car anyway and uh i went in i said you know i'd love to buy this car from you i actually said to the guy get this so what's it going to take for you to sell me this car today (laughs) he goes wait a minute isn't that my line? What's it going to take for me? To, I go, I know. I love the car, but here's the problem. You're like 10 miles from my home in traffic. It probably is going to take me 30 minutes to get here. Uh, I have to go there, come back, go there, come back. If I got to drop my car off. And then he says, look around, do you see a waiting room in our dealership? And I looked, I, I don't see one. He says, well, we have one, but it's small because most people don't use it. I go, why? He says, because when you buy a car from us, we deliver it to you. And every time you need service, we will drop you off a brand new demonstrator uh, car. Uh, and every car they've dropped me off has been a beautiful brand new car, I, a loaner, if you will. And no charge. We'll drop your car off, that car off, pick your car up, bring it back when it's finished. And it's going to cost you the same. It's under warranty, whatever. It, that's what we do. We call it concierge white glove service. And I go, wow, I like that. And I don't pay extra for this. No. What about the price of the car? We're going to give you an offer and you go and shop it around if you want. And come back and let us know if it's not the, the best price. I went, wow. Well, guess what I did? I bought that car. And I bought it. And, and I and since that time, it's been maybe, uh, and I keep my cars, my wife and I you know, buy cars. We keep them about anywhere from five to seven years. Um, and guess what? I bought her a car there and I'm getting ready to go buy another car there. They disrupted the competitor down the street that I'd done business with for 24 years because they outconvenienced them. By the way, when I went back to my original dealership and I mentioned this, they said, "Well, we'll give you a loaner every time you come in." I go, "Well, you already do that, but you know, every once in a while you don't have one, and then I've got to wait for somebody to take me to work, or I walk there." And they wouldn't do the, uh, the swap like that. They wouldn't come and deliver. So delivery is a powerful way. And again, n- technology uh, is another one or, or just you know reducing friction. As I mentioned before, every one of the convenience principles has a factor of reducing friction. It's just companies like Uber created that as their main value proposition.
0: Yeah, I think it's a really good example. And it's a good way to think about it, too. You don't necessarily need a massive investment. You don't necessarily need a load of technology. You don't even necessarily need to disrupt an entire industry. Mm -hmm. You can just out disrupt your competitor. And I've seen you um, write about out servicing your competitor. Can you tell me more about out servicing your competitors? What?
1: Well, out-servicing is exactly, you know, when you can out-customer service your competitor, you're basically delivering a higher level of service. And years ago, there was something called the amenity wars. The amenity wars were between hotels. And a hotel, and and by the way, I give credit to my friend Phil Wexler for coining this term. I think it's his. Uh, But the amenity wars were, wow, you stay at our hotel, we're going to put a newspaper at your doorstep every day. And the hotel across the street said, "I hear they're putting newspapers at the doorstep uh, of each guest. Let's go ahead and do that too." And hey, let's. Then the hotel says, "Let's do fluffier towels." And the competitor says, "I hear they have pretty fluffy towels over there. Let's just go buy some fluffy towels." So basically, the competitors are trying to outservice one another. And I, by the way, think that's a great practice because the more each company in in the industry. Tries to outservice everyone else. It just raises the bar for everyone, and it gives the customer a better experience. So, is there something that you can do to outservice your competitor that the uh, that the competitor can't do? That's hard to find, but it can be done. Another question, simply asked, is what do I do that would cause my customer to do business with me? instead of a competitor. And it might be a service issue. It could be, we have a product that they don't have. Okay. That's differentiation. Or maybe we do something, a different process. Maybe our return policy is different than theirs. There's lots of different ways we can differentiate. Give you an example. um, And since we've been talking about Amazon, how about Zappos? Zappos now owned by Amazon. Uh, Zappos has a great return policy. It's a free return policy. They even pay for the postage. And it's so good. In fact, that it's part of their value proposition. If you buy a pair of shoes from us and it doesn't fit, you send them back. We'll send you a different size, but they, it gets even better than that. You'll get on the phone. And by the way, they're an online company that has a phone number on every single page because they expect that you'll call them. If you have a question, do these shoes run small or big? So you'll get somebody on the phone and they'll look it up. Oh, these shoes, you know what? They run pretty true to size, but you know what? What's your shoe size? I I wear a nine and a half. Tell you what we'll do. We're going to send you a nine, a nine and a half, and a 10. Try them all on and you send the two back that don't fit. Really? And we'll pay the postage. Seriously? That's what I'm talking about. They just outservice every other online retailer by offering that level of return policy and convenience in doing so.
0: Yeah. And I think the, there's a massive mindset shift there that people need to start thinking of customer service as an investment instead of a cost and yes. realizing that you are investing in the relationship with the customer and it's not just a cost center. So that's a really good example. Brilliant example with Zappos as well. Amazing company for customer service. Um, few comments here. Steve would like to know where you are speaking next. Ah, and shout it out, please. (laughs) I
1: will be speaking in Chicago for a really cool company called Pet Butler. Now get this. Do you know what they do? They have a van that goes around to residencies and they clean the dog poop off the lawn. How's that for a service? (laughs) Well, (laughs) And believe it or not, uh, the relationships that these franchisees build with their customers is really powerful and they build this relationship with not just the the, the a homeowner but you know hey let me see your dog. I mean they really yeah. engage at that level and they go around and drive around and they have lots of stops along the way where they pick up the poop <laughs> so that's interesting. I'll also be in Las Vegas next week and uh, let's see where will I be after that I've got a couple I've got a really cool booking coming up. Are you ready for this? I'm going to Nigeria, actually going back to Nigeria uh, in just about a month, I'm gonna spend a week there. Of course, uh, last time I did a seminar and a workshop on customer service and experience and talked to people in the financial services industry, the hotel industry, uh, some people in the restaurant industry. But this time we're gonna take a little spin on this. Uh, we may do some of that and uh, we will do some of that, but what we're going to do is we're gonna stop at universities and we're gonna talk to students. We're gonna talk to uh, a population of Nigeria which is a majority that may make just a few dollars a day in their job and have never been exposed to the concepts of of how can you create a better customer experience because guess what our ways uh, in in our country here in the US and in your country and in and I guess western civilization if you will some of these ways are becoming more popular and are starting to infiltrate other cultures and guess how they find out. Uh, that was one of the things that when I went to Nigeria the last time, I always ask this when I go to a foreign country, I go, do you really want me to talk about what we're doing here in the U S because what you're doing over here in Nigeria or what we're doing over here in, in you know, Singapore or, or Germany or whatever, is this what you want? Is this the kind of service? Because culturally it may not be a fit and this is always the answer I get. Well, they know what it is. I go, how do they know? They watch it on TV. <laughs> they see in TV shows and, 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 Oh, that was a great, you know, to go to a restaurant. Oh, they were wonderful or they weren't wonderful. So there's TV shows out there showcasing the world, what great services. So I'm excited to go to Nigeria. Uh, actually I'm going to be in, uh, 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 Charleston, South Carolina in about a week. I'll be there as well. i a week and a half.
0: So I've got a number of bookings. Nice. Yep. Good. Um, so Brett really liked the car dealership, uh, example, uh, talking about removing barriers is the best way to improve an experience. Yep. I think we can agree with that too. Um, Eric has got an interesting thing here saying that they call Zappos during the coaching sessions for their new hires to, to show them. <laughs> I sure wonder if Zappos, Zappos knows that's
1: going on. Here. Hey, you're <laughs> part of a training program. I love that. That's,
0: that's bloody clever. That is. <laughs> Um uh, Last one here for the moment, Toby. Hey, Toby. He's asking about research for the ROI of good customer experience, company culture, and vision. Uh, I'm not really sure what the question is there. but with well, that, Basically,
1: there's a tremendous amount of research out there. Uh, yeah. uh, I just actually have an article coming out. I believe it's going to come out on Saturday uh, this coming week in Forbes.com. If you go to Forbes and you type in just under search bar, just type in my last name, Hyken H Y K E N. Every once in a while, there's these great reports to come out. Salesforce put a great report out. Uh, Gladly is coming out. It just came out with a report on customer expectations. What's really cool is I just saw a PNC report. Uh, I, and actually, I reported on this about maybe three months ago. And uh, the stats are are all really consistent. It's like, hey, we, we interviewed 2,000 customers. We interviewed 1,000 customers. And the percentage of people that will switch after a bad experience, that will stay because of a good experience, that will spend more because of a good experience, and how much more they will spend, it's all out there proving that as you say it's an investment customer service doesn't cost it pays so here's a point i want to make that's really really important and that is that service should not be seen as a department this is not a place you call for a complaint or a problem although there is a customer service department the true vision of a good customer focused company and the service they want to deliver is that they treat it as a philosophy that's permeated through the entire organization. So service is not a department, it's a philosophy. Uh, it's embraced by every employee throughout the entire organization, from the CEO to the most recently hired, to somebody in the mail room uh, whose, you know, job is internally to take care of their customers and make sure packages and mail is, is on their desk on time, to people that are truly frontline focused. So customer service is a philosophy.
0: I love that. And I agree, man. Yeah, customer service isn't a department. It's a culture. It's a mindset. It's an attitude. It's a philosophy. Yes. Take that to the bank. So, look, we'll move on here. Um, Tell me more about how individuals can become more convenient Sure. So
1: great backstory to this. So I I wrote the book and I, I gave it to an agent in New York who was going to shop it for publishers. And he says, I like the title, The Convenience Revolution. I like the subtitle. And he goes through the book. He says, I've got a problem with this book. What's that? He says, I'm worried it won't sell a lot because it's all about how a company can be more convenient to its customer and the different ways. But Uh, You know, because most of the books that I've written, like "Amaze Every Customer Every Time," "Be Amazing or Go Home," those are for an entire company. Every person in the company should have a copy of this book. And uh, the the uh, agent said, "I'm worried that you're not going to get your book sales." And I said, "You know what? You're right. I didn't write about it." And I said, "But but it's obvious to me that an individual can be convenient. Think about it. Let me call you. You don't have to call me. Let me uh, let me." go to you. If I'm local, let me come to you rather than you come to me. There's many different, all of the different, uh, the six ways, uh, to deliver convenience can be tweaked for an individual dealing with another individual or an individual who wants to deal with a company because that's what we want our customers to say about us. Simply this, He or she is so easy to do business with. And by the way, most of the time, if you work for a company and you're the one delivering the service, this is what they'll say they are so easy to do business with, and they is a he or she. And that's why, totally off a different topic, but it's what I call the awesome responsibility, where one person represents an entire organization. But back to the individual concept individuals can easily be convenient to the other people they do business with, and internally, I want to make it easy for you to work with me. I want I want to be the person that you trust so you can hand that project off to me and know you're going to get it back in a reasonable time. And I'm not going to make you work hard to, for me to get it back to you at a reasonable period of time. I'm going to make it as easy as possible. I'm going to respect your time. I'm going to make sure you get what you need when you need it. I'm going to keep you updated. I'm going to be easy to do business with.
0: Okay, so let's say... I'm watching this and i think ship you are right i Thank need you. to be more <laughs> i need to be more convenient as an individual but my hands are tied sometimes with processes and procedures and rules what is the best way for me to get around that
1: yeah so i mean obviously uh, there's things that you can do on your own just that are natural things that you would be expected to do and just simply by being aware of it, calling people back at the right time, saying, I'll call you, you don't need to call me, that type of thing. But if there are processes that are in the way, then that is an issue that is, uh, it's a bigger issue, and that needs to be addressed at what I would call the corporate level. So uh, I call a person that's inside the force within, and that person has the force or has the capability of getting to the right people and saying, hey, this is something we can do to make life better for our customers. If we make life better for our customers, they're going to like doing business with us more, which means they'll do business with us more. And in some cases they'll even pay more for doing business with us because we make their life so easy. We're going to bulletproof our business by creating what I call a demanding customer. We're going to be so good that if the customer goes somewhere else and expects the same level of service that we've been providing them, that their competitors are going to say, you're being awful demanding, (laughs) but that's our standard. And that's what we do. So, um, the force within means we find where the clog is in that process. And we start to determine how we're going to get rid of it. By the way, The only way this is going to happen is if the company decides that they want to be customer focused because customer focused companies take a look at all of their different processes. The different uh, they'll go to all of their employees and they'll say, hey, where what are your biggest uh, the top three complaints that you hear from either an outside customer or even an internal customer? well i mean they could be many things we hear all the time that are it's very difficult for people to reach us uh during the day they're put on hold for for 20 minutes at a time well that's an easy one to fix i mean is it a staffing problem is it a technology hey, let's let's use technology and, and by the way technology is one of the six areas in the convenience revolution book uh how can we use technology to eliminate this 20 minute wait well, maybe we don't want to staff up because there are slow times and fast times and we can't figure out how to do it. But why don't we implement a very reasonably priced technology that will simply tell the person waiting, hey, it's going to be a 20 minute wait. If you want, you can wait. If you don't want, hang up and we'll call you back. And obviously you've got to punch in your phone number. Well, that just made it a little bit more convenient. What can we do to make it even more convenient? And maybe you aren't ready to maybe you can't wait 20 minutes. That's why you're hanging up and you're not going to be available if we call you back in 20 minutes. Is there a better time for us to call you? Punch that into your keypad and punch your phone number there, and we'll call you back at that time. So what you've just done is you've eliminated the waiting problem in, in effect without having to ramp up staff by using technology.
0: Yeah two main things from that for me that I love the idea of creating a demanding customer so that if they were to go anywhere else they Mm -hmm. would seem so demanding but with you it's just the norm it's because the expectations have been changed and I really like the idea of making just lots of little conveniences throughout your service and throughout your experience because realistically at the end of the day they're going to add up to one big differentiator And it does come back to that. As soon as they go and do business with another company, they're going to look at it and go, God, why is this so difficult? Why is it that Shep's company can do this, whereas James's company can't even answer the (laughs) the phone? Um, So I I love that. Really, really good. What I want to know from you now is, what is your favorite story from the book? Oh, my gosh. Oh,
1: you know, um, there's... Uh, so how, the book is divided as i mentioned in the six parts we use amazon as the case study throughout the you know to showcase all six in one company but if you look at all the great companies it's not so much that their stories and they, they each case study is in effect a story i love the netflix story there's uh, one of the areas is subscription okay A subscription model is a great model of convenience. And I started looking at all, you know, what what does a magazine do? It shows up every month or every week and newspaper every day, that's a subscription. Well, companies are starting to do this. How about the hardware store that realizes every six months, our customers have to change filters in their air conditioning or or their furnaces. Why do we make them come in? Why not set it up, get their credit card and just mail it or drop it off, okay? that's a, that's a subscription model. What did Netflix do to Blockbuster when they created a subscription model that w- it just blew them away? To, and by the way, uh, I love, there is a line in there where I talk about Blockbuster made a mistake. Netflix wanted to sell themselves to Blockbuster for like $6 million. Today they're worth billions of dollars. Uh, boy, darn, that was a missed opportunity. So I love the Netflix example. Um, one that I lived myself was Panera Bread or Panera, it's called Panera Bakery. There's uh, around the U.S. there's, gosh, I can't remember how many units, probably a couple thousand thousands of these restaurants around. Yeah. And uh, I go to one almost every Friday when I'm in town. I have a group of guys I work out with early in the morning. We all go to Panera. And I watched... Over a year period, I noticed uh, one day they gave away uh, the little pagers, little square pages. So you would go to the counter, you would order, and then you would go stand at another counter while your food was being prepared, and you waited. And they said, oh, we're going to give you a pager, and we'll buzz you when the food is ready, and you would go up and get it. And then shortly thereafter, they said, now nah, you don't have to go up anymore. Just take the pager, set it in the middle of the table and there's a sensor on the table and then that'll tell us where your pager is and we'll have a food runner come out and take the food and drive it to you at your table so unless you're getting it to go you sit at your table and you wait just like anywhere else and then i noticed they put you know kiosks where you can walk in and you can order from a kiosk and not have to wait in line by the way people still wait in line so they haven't eliminated that they just give you a choice so Every, I asked this uh, manager one day, he's dropping off my food and I, you know, he knows me. I go, so I noticed over the last year, you've done all this. Why are you doing this? His exact words, because it's more convenient for our guest." He used the convenience word. Love it. Love it. And guess what? I found out that by putting those kiosks out there, you would think, well, this would be an opportunity for them to cut some staff. He said, no, we don't cut any staff, but by putting those kiosks out there where we can order Here, we allow our staff to do more interaction with the guest, and we create a better experience. Man, that's a win-win-win all the way around. So uh, I love that story.
0: Yeah, man, that's that's great. I mean, the Netflix thing is kind of good that they didn't sell to Blockbuster, because (laughs) chances are. (laughs) Blockbuster would have messed them up quite bad, I reckon. Um but yeah, and the, the Panera bread thing, I, I always remember those guys because there's a heavy metal band called Pantera, and every oh, yeah. time I see a sign, I'm like, is it? No, ah, oh. I just I thought, oh, they, you know, diversifying and got their own bake, but no, it's not them. So there you go. <laughs> right, um, I want some advice from you now. Okay, there's only one thing I can do in my organization to make my company more convenient. What is that one thing? What should that one thing be? Wow. I mean,
1: uh, well, the one thing, it's an overarching theme to the entire book, as I mentioned, that's reduce friction. Just find a way to reduce friction. And there's many, many different ways. We talked about Uber. We talked about Amazon. We talked about all these different companies. Delivery is a form of reducing friction. But as I mentioned, some companies have reduced friction to the point where that's their major value prop. And delivery may be the major differentiator that my car dealership has between all the other dealerships that sell the same brand. Uh, You know, you've got technology. PayPal uh, is a great example of technology. They made it real easy for us to um, uh, transfer money from my bank account to you really, really fast, really, really easy. They reduced the friction in doing so. So I would say, look at your process, And find out where there could be friction points. Where do customers complain, if anything? And maybe they say, well, it's not a big deal, but if you could do something, this would be nice for you to fix. I don't like waiting this long. Or or it takes me, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Figure out a way to reduce friction at any point in the process, and you're already starting to be more convenient for your customers.
0: Perfect.
1: Perfect. Okay. I'm glad you said that because nobody's ever asked me that question. I don't know if I had the answer.
0: (laughs) Perfect. It's perfect. And I think having that mindset of almost hunting out friction points and looking, how can I be more convenient? How can I smooth this out? How can I make it just easier for the customer to do business with us? Because surely that is what we should all be striving to do in any company. How do we make it as easy as possible for you, the customer, to give me some money?
1: <laughs> right, right. And, Why and do we make that so difficult? Thing you, one other thing you might want to do is look at your competitor. And don't look at your competitor for the things that they're doing that are right, that you'd like to do. Look at the competitor for the things that you're, they're doing wrong and make sure you're not doing them. So look for their friction points and say, boy, we better not have any of those.
0: That's a that's a wicked idea. You could get your little team and go on a little field trip to your, <laughs> your competitors and write down all the crappy things they're doing and then just do them. There you go. Perfect. Um, look. There's going to be a bunch of people watching who are going to want to buy that book. I hope well, so. Tell me, how, how do they do that? Sure. So the,
1: the best place right now, because it's pre-publication at this point, is beconvenient.com. be convenience, you know, C-O-N-V-E-N-I-E-N-T, beconvenient.com. But here's the cool part. Even though the book doesn't come out until October 2nd, the e-book is available today. Not for sale, but only if you buy the book and it will immediately be sent to you. Uh, and it's just a real simple thing. We wanted to make it convenient. Uh, you, you, uh, you order the book through our website. And then by the way, in October 2nd, that week when it comes out, your order will be officially placed with one of the retailers, whether it be uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, CEO Read, Books A Million, one of those retailers, and you will receive your book shortly thereafter. But in the meantime, you can get a jump start, and you can get the ebook today.
0: I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that later, and I'm going to get it. Um, look, Shep, thank you so much for spending time with us today, and thank you for all those really, really wicked insights that I know everybody watching is going to go away and try and implement straight away. And everybody watching, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you for all the engagement. Thank you for all the shares and the comments. And until next time, keep on delivering that rock star customer experience.